Hey, what's up, people? Episode 55, Sports Debate Tuesday. Guess what? Episode starts. You know it. Right now. Carol, what's up, man? What's up, Bobby McGee? Yo, How you doing? hey, people. Episode 55, along with Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean. <laughs> I'm Jason DeBeas. Thank you for having us in your living room. And Daddy is back. Rob, we, we, I guess we have uh, a lot to talk about. Not a whole lot, but a lot, lot. Got some pretty interesting subjects. J.J. Watt, you, we're going to talk a little defense. Um, because you know there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of quarterback changes in the season in the NFL, but I wanted to talk a little defense, see where's an ideal landing spot for him. Um NBA, the world of flopping has become very um that other football like soccer like where you guys guys aren't even getting clipped. <laughs> Just, uh. <laughs> so so we're gonna ch- definitely chat about that. Shame and no shame is gonna be fun, but but uh, um, spoiling it for you guys is we're just gonna go shame but the, the question is is it gonna be shame on who of course quick question at the end and be and we have a little thing at, at the end before we go but first things first UFC 258 Usman versus Burns and a card that looks stacked to the gills and fights were just dropping off. They were just dropping off like flies. It turned into a stacked card to just a main event heavy card. And the main event just delivered. Now we're going to talk about some matches and maybe who stuck out before. But let's talk about the biggest match that Walter Wade could possibly offer at this time, right? A red-hot Gilbert Burns. An unstoppable Kamaro Usman. The Nigerian Nightmare. This is UFC 258. The welterweight champ, Usman, defeated a red-hot number one contender, Gilbert Burns. Rob, we'll talk about this fight, but the question, who in this division, welterweight, lightweight, or even middleweight, is next up or can stop <laughs> Kamaru Usman? Uh, I mean, uh, I don't think anybody. I think this is kind of crazy. You know, he's very, like, he's, I just, I don't even think I've, we've seen the best of him, you know. I, I don't think anybody's put him in deep water. I mean, they people have, you know, stunned him. And I think he's very, he doesn't have, a, you know, a lot of dexterity in his defense. But, you know, offensively, he's pretty scary, man. And overall... You know, on a five or a five round, you know, fight, it's very tough to talk about defeating him in any type of way. You know, if anything, it's going to come down to a card battle. Like, but I don't see anybody stopping him, putting him on his back, and then, you know, defeating him. I just don't see that. So, yeah, you want to talk about yeah. that right hand, right? That jab. Uh, I mean, yeah, the jab. Yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, very, very unstoppable force at the time. Uh, but who's next for him? I mean, I, I honestly think this fight was a little early. I think that Gilbert Burns was kind of just, you know, he, he always looks like he's kind of banged up a little bit. You know, he's always got something a little wrong. So I, it's I think they uh, spar like fucking idiots, dude. Yeah. You know, so, that, you know, it even seems like maybe Kamar Usman is like, you know, doing a bit less than, less of uh, sparring before his fights because he looks a lot fresher coming out. He looks a lot. Uh, cleaner, even though Gilbert Burns seems like he's the more explosive type of a fighter and uh, probably even takes his round, rounds even harder than 
uh, Usman. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the next fight is going to be this fight. You know, I honestly don't see anybody else giving uh, Kamara Usman the amount of, uh, you know, the, the type of, of, of dangerous combination that, that uh, Burns does. Um, but, you know, just for, you know, you know, just for fun, I think maybe, you know, you talk about other divisions, you know, the winner of, of uh, uh, what's it called? You know, the winner of um, Adesanya and, and, and Blahovich, that could be a fun one. Um, you know, just, you know, moving up different weight classes, you know, who knows? But I think uh, Kamara Usman, like he was talking about putting some respect on his name. I don't think we can talk about potential matchups in his division anymore. You know, I think we have to start looking outside the box and start looking at other divisions at where he can, you know, raise or lower his weight um, and start challenger for a two champ. You know what happens when you make a guy like this wait to get his title match? He had to win a lot of matches and because I guess he wasn't the needle mover. He had to, you know, wait. And do you know what happens when you make a guy like that wait to get his title match? He cleans out the division. He, he's already cleaned out the division before he got his, his shot against Tyron Woodley. And that's what happens when you make someone wait. You know, I mean, you got guys like McGregor, you, you kind of fast track him. And then when he wins, he ain't, he's not a defending champion. He disappears. But sometimes you get these guys like Jones, they win their belt and they're, and they be, and they're like, hey, I'll, give, me a, give me the next one. Give me the next one. You know, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, you know, give me the next one. Khabib, I got a couple of more left. But this guy, when you make him wait, the division's already cleaned out. Um, he beat Woodley five rounds to zero. Five. Uh, Woodley's a tough guy to finish. I mean, he hasn't been knocked out since 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 Nate Marquardt. Um, and as a service for humanity, as a service to humanity, put a gave Kobe Covington. Even though Kobe Covington represented the well, I was more impressed by Covington's, you know, um, chin or whatever than 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 any, anything else. But as a general blanket service to humanity, shut that dude's mouth. Shut him up, put and put a straight up whooping on him. In fact, all of my Twitter hashtags is gonna say, I broke your face. <laughs> if you remember that, I broke your face. Yeah. Now, going into this match, there's some things I wanted to say. First of all, Udman's Usman's chin, Kamaru Usman's chin, and his recoverability is un uncanny. He got caught and got rocked that first round that we've seen Gilbert Burns hit other people, and that led that was subsequent to a finish. But he he had a strong chin and he took the shots. And then as a few seconds went by, uh, as Gilbert was assessing the damage, he just started recovering. He was like Wolverine. He's just started recovering as we speak. So um, <clears throat> something else I wanted to say, it's a very scary feeling when you hit someone with everything you got and people usually wilt under your power. And and then you continue to hit everything you got because he was on the ground. Remember, um, he, I call it the dead cockroach, like the, the staring contest when the guy's on the ground. But Usman used his time and kicked the hell out of his back thigh until he was like, okay, I'm getting up. And when he got up, hit Usman with a knee. And Usman ate that too. And But there's something to be said about hitting someone with everything you got and they're still standing there. That is a scary feeling for me as a human being. I don't even know what fighters feel on that. Or maybe they just keep going. But the... We're human. I mean, even elite athletes are human, Rob, right? You have to, there has to be some set of like, okay, that was my game plan. And he's still there. Now what? Right? Anyone who's ever watched Connor against Nate Diaz twice, anyone who's ever watched Connor uh, versus Khabib, you know, maybe not against Dustin, but um, pro or, you have to be thinking that, right? You have to be thinking that. So, and like you said, we, before we got on the podcast, you were talking about that right hand jab, man. The guy uh, switches to lefty. 
and his right hand's even more crisp. He has a 76 inch we, uh, re, uh, wingspan. So it's like six, what, six four? So he's, he's already got long arms. He's mm. African. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm not, I don't mean that as a racist standpoint, but this whole concept of I'm African, I don't get tired. This <laughs> is starting to be a reality. Okay. Um, um, you have a champion's jab or something like that. Trevor Whitman said, you're, he says you, you, your jab is, is going gonna, is gonna, uh, to um, keep you champion or something crazy like that. I'm paraphrasing. Um, body kicks were really good. The jab to the body kick, stabbing that gas tank, um, changing up, finish, switching lefty to righty and still having an effective jab, crisp piston popping jab. Constant pressure was Covington worthy. Because you ever see Covington is always in someone's face in the beginning? It was the other way around, but as the match started the shift, he's dominating the center of the octagon, and it was vintage Kamaru Usman. And the other thing I like about him is you see a lot of um, people on the road to getting their championship, Rob. On the road to the championship, they get a lot of finishes, but when they become the champion, there's a lot of decisions because they're so evenly matched with nothing but the top contenders. You'll see John Jones, you know, almost became a decision machine. But this guy's the other way around. He got a bunch of decisions, and now in the, yeah. in the championship fights, he's getting finishes. And, and it's because, like you said, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. And having Whitman as as his coach, you know them hands. You know he's going to be one of them wrestlers that fall in love with his hands. And, and I hope he doesn't, whatever. Um, now, is it a question of who's next for him? He wants Jorge Masvidal again because he wants to finish. He entered that fight with a broken nose. And then he didn't like Jorge Masvidal talking crap, saying, uh, Jorge talking about, oh, I broke his nose. And and the, under, the underlying factor was that he already broke his nose two weeks before the fight, before that fight even happened. So that, that rubbed him the wrong way, and he wants to give Masvidal that, that rematch. But if he stays in the division, if Kobe wins again, it's probably going to, they're going to run that back. But but as far as giving the champion what he wants, yeah, man, give him, give him that. As far as moving up to 185, Adesanya is a handful because Adesanya has long reach and, um, and is moving up to 205, and, and the only way they're going to fight is, we'll if, is if Usman moves up, right? You know, the only ideal matchup for me is if Khabib comes out of retirement because he has he has 185-pound strength and fights at 155. So, <laughs> you know, so I think that'd be two wrestlers. Guess what? Maybe they let their hands go. Maybe that's an interesting match too, right? You ever see that? You see ever that notice that? Interesting. Yeah, but no, I understand. But I, like, as long if they maybe if they started wrestling because you know Khabib is you know does what he does, so yep. that would be a lot more interesting. But uh, yeah, I just don't see anybody else really being uh, you know even even uh, Masvidal. Like, you could say that he broke his nose, even if he you know if he did, like the fight wasn't really you know it, it, they could say it was close, but Kamar Usman pretty much you know controlled close. that whole fight. You know, it wasn't yeah. really competitive, so. No. That's what I'm saying. Just looking for new challenges, you know, going outside the box, especially if uh, Izzy ends up taking, uh, you know, the 205 title and comes down and tries to be a triple champ. That could be a very interesting battle. So <laughs> we could see. Yeah, Izzy's got this tr crazy body where it looks like he can fight in three weight classes. We already, we all right. First of all, we already know that dude ain't going above two hundred five. All right, I don't even think he'll no. he'll stay at two hundred five if he wins. I mean, he's he's. In my mind, I think he's too light to fight and too thin to win when it comes to that. And and, and we, we're talking up Izzy and his undefeated streak, but we, I'd be disrespectful to, to ignore Blakovich, Bl 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 right? Who says he's not going to win that fight? 
You yeah. know, who says his knockout power is not enough to start Jizzy? You and know, so. we've already seen, you know, somebody who, you know, is a all-time Hall of Famer, Max Holloway, go up a division and lose yeah. to a Dustin Poirier. Nothing yeah. against Dustin Poirier, but, you know, he's not really in any conversation for, you know, mm. greatest of his of his weight division. So, um, you know, I think there's there's a lot to be said about being great at where you're best, you yeah. know. Yeah, Dustin... Wow, Dustin, his boxing and his slips and his patience and his his ability to eat to eat heavy shots better suits him at one fifty five. I mean, he Connor wasn't probably wasn't even the one that hit him hardest in his career. It was probably um Justin Gaethje, you know. And I thought Michael Johnson when Johnson finished him at at one fifty five. Um, I thought Johnson hit him. Um, the two, I mean, cracked him two times really hard that made him whoop. But he, you know, um, but before we 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 leave UFC, we got. And I'll, and we'll definitely repair a lot of this on quick question. Big up to my man Anthony Hernandez, big underdog against a submission specialist, huge underdog, including thirty to one underdog to win by submission. Rob, we should have put some money on that. <laughs> Look, we should have put some money on that. But something we definitely gonna do is we're gonna put some respect on that man's name, dude. Like you said in the beginning of this podcast, put some respect on this man's name. Put some respect. No one's being disrespectful, but it's very much like Damian Lillard, right? Where nobody's disrespecting him, but you got these two-hour talk shows, and Lillard doesn't even Mm -hmm. Lillard doesn't even come up. You know, I mean, only this morning I think Stephen A. Smith was on first take saying, "I apologize. That's my bad." You know, and he's finally owning up, and he's encouraging everybody else to. But very much like Lillard, game, 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 bread like Masvidal, hits hard like, um, I don't know who hits hard, Derek Lewis, <laughs> you know, wrestles like Khabib. <laughs> he's a total package. He's very St. Pierre yeah. worthy. He's, he's St. Yes. Pierre worthy. Uh, I mean, history will be, I mean, as we continue to go and he, and he writes his own history, maybe we'll have this conversation in the near future. But for now, let's check out our MMA. Let's check into the NFL. All right. Rob, topic two. Um, we've been talking about quarterback changes, and I think there's as many as 18 possibilities for quarterback changes this season. And we talked about it last week, and we talked a little bit about it the week before. But this week, Rob, let's talk defense. Let's talk one of my one of my favorite players, defensive players to ever grace the field. And I put him up there with Michael Strahan, and Lawrence Taylor as a New York guy, and Bruce Smith. J.J. Watt asked for his release from the Houston Texans. Maybe he got tired of the drama. And to their credit, they granted him his release. Maybe it's him on the way out is best for them him on the way out is best for himself so rob with everybody talking about quarterback changes we're talking about defense where's a good landing spot for jj Watt? i mean i've been talking about it from the beginning but like you know as soon as he got dropped you know he's a wisconsin boy you know they need a lot of defensive line help in wisconsin uh, and that meaning Green Bay. And I, I think he would take a, a large discount, especially, you know, being a hometown kid, you know, understanding their, under, like their, uh, that the team is owned by the people. And it's kind of hard for them to scrape up a lot of money past paying Aaron Rodgers 42 a year. But, you know, past that, um, I think he just wants to win a championship. And I think, you know, to bring one to Green Bay, to the hometown, to where you're probably going to live after football, you know, why not that? And I think, uh, you know, nothing else really makes much more ideal fit, perfect sense for me. But, um, you know, I, it's a championship team in his hometown. That's like perfect fit. Before I pick my team, 
This man is responsible for the Texans being 12-4 and four for three seasons during his tenure there. Yates was one of the quarterbacks. Orton was one of the quarterbacks. And the, and the rest, I'm not even going to grace our podcast and name them because as much as I respect elite athletes, they are not worthy. 12-4. and four. This man got six touchdowns one of those seasons. Should have been the MVP. But everybody's like, no, the most important position is the quarterback. Clearly it's not. <laughs> Clearly it's not. This man on offense caught three touchdown passes. On defense, an interception returned for a touchdown. Two fumbles returned for a touchdown. The guy got six touchdown uh, passes. Uh, uh, six Scored six touchdowns, which is more than a lot of marquee receivers who are asking, asking to make that money. You shocked me, Rob. You surprised me with Green Bay. It is a hometown thing, and he ain't scared to play in the cold, and he definitely wants to play for a team that's championship-worthy. And as much as the Packers have dropped the ball in the NFC Championship game, to be in the NFC Championship picture every year shows that they're championship-worthy. It shows that they, they can hit or miss every year, and that's what J.J. Watt deserves. But as far as good landing spots, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'd like for him to play with his brother. I, I like... For him to play for a coach that preaches defense that finally has more tools. I mean, I mean, they only had T.J. Watt and then, you know, plugging in players and still manage to bend but don't break. And, I mean, if, Tom, if Tomlin can do that with the, with the clientele that, that, that has been enlisted for him, and imagine what he can do with a, with a brother act and the two of them. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you, you surprised me. You pulled the gangster move on me because I don't. I have to admit that you have a better argument for. <laughs> um, I think you got me on this debate. I think you have a better argument for Green Bay than than I would for Pittsburgh, but I just think as as a fan, and just because I, I'm it's Tomlin love, right? You know, I mean, I, I'm in love with the guy. I guess you know, um, I picked the Steelers. So, yeah, but I really like. Oh, Green Bay, man. Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, I got to give Aaron Rodgers some love, man. He doesn't even get love from his GM. They can't even draft a defensive lineman for them. So <laughs> why not pick one up in the free agency, you know? Yep. yep. Get one gifted. Look, isn't it crazy that the best players to play the game aren't the ones that are worried about all the money? I mean, Rodgers is one of the best throwers in the game, probably one of the best throwers I've, I've seen since Dan Marino, you know what I mean, as far as the arm is concerned. But, I mean, you got the GOAT. Taking a break, taking a discount. You got when let's just put it this way, Rob, when you have people wanting to play with you, call ringing you up, hitting you up. What what does it take for me to play with you? You're going to this team. I want to play with you. How, how I, and I'll take a discount to play with you, man. That is. It's 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 ignored, and and I'm like the only thing that Tom Brady has can do to make it not be ignored is to win the whole thing all the time. You know what I'm saying? Because as soon as he doesn't, it's like oh oh Father Time's undefeated or this or that. But this guy got Antonio. But I mean, this guy's got people following him. That's how you know someone's influential. And I think J.J. Watt is very much like that on defense. And the man's, by the way, is a community hero in Houston for the work and philanthropy uh, that he's done during the um, the hurricanes and floods and all that stuff uh, with his own, you know, with his money. Not to mention physically going out there in a pickup truck rescuing people in floods. I mean, talk about a, a, a true hero, you know, a true American hero. I give you, I give you, um, JJ Watt. So cool, man. So Green Bay, I like Green it. Green Bay, man. Yeah, man. Make yours Green Bay. Make mine the Steelers. Though I don't know. And this podcast is over. I'm going to turn the camera off and say, Rob, you're right. <laughs> 
but for now I got I got to fake the funk. Uh, um. <laughs> All right, hey, topic three, moving right along. We go to the NBA. Let's talk a little drama, okay? Let's talk a little flopping. LeBron James, and along with Kyle Kuzma, has been warned by the NBA for flopping. Obviously, there's some video footage of him flopping and this and that. So the question is, um, is this warning or is all this drama surfacing? Is it problem more? Pro- is it problematic for the NBA? Uh, as a league or problematic for um, um, James? And I'd like to go first on this one. And my answer is, it's problematic on the league, but not the league and guidelines, but the league and how they execute it, right? LeBron James is a huge individual. LeBron James gets gets fouled pretty much every time he goes to the room, but because he he drives past people in, in Shaquille O'Neal-esque fashion, he doesn't get called for fouls that James Harden, that would get James Harden to the line t- um, 25 plus times a game, for Christ's sakes. So problem for the league, only because they have to get their referees to start calling some of these fouls. If some referees start calling some of these fouls, you're going to see LeBron flop less. You know what I mean? Because you, I'd refuse to believe some like Chris Paul is the, is is the guy who was who who has the 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 elbow grease and arm strength to send LeBron James flying across the court. Give me a break. I mean, Paul, Chris Paul walks around like he's hard, but he ain't. You, come on, man, you ain't sending no big dude off like that. Um, so not problematic for James. Uh, uh, he made the adjustment to the league making the adjustment, and the floor is yours. Yeah, so uh, I think it's definitely problem, flop, problematic for the league um, just because uh, flopping has always been an issue, um, and I think it's it's kind of been the slow uh, degradation of the league. You know, back in the day, you know, they talk about hard fouls and technical fouls and, you know, um, how easily it was to just, you know, hack somebody and just get away with it. You know, now it's on the other side of the spectrum where, you know, anybody gets touched touched in a certain motion, you know, uh, they even haven't gotten right, you know, giving somebody, you know, adequate space to land. You know, um, you know, you see people landing on people's other people's feet all the time, whether it's, you know, accidental or it's, you know, um, you know, planned or intentional that, again, that shouldn't be up to the refs, you know. So I think a lot of these rules have to really get revisited you know and i think the nfl did a really good job with it about three four years ago with uh all these catch rules you know um protecting their quarterback rules you know they were way too stringent on them um and so i just think it just takes you know everybody getting in the room and creating a, another way to look at how fouls are going to be called because you know that's the reason why i don't even like watching basketball a lot of the times is that you know it's basically waiting for another whistle to be called as soon as somebody drives to the basket. You know, when the playoffs come around, it's nothing like that. You know, playoff basketball is totally different than season basketball. So, yeah, like you're saying, I think uh, it's starting to come to a head where, you know, if you start finding players, players are going to start speaking out about it and it's become it's going to become a very big issue um, socially in the league on how the calls are being called because at the end of the day, um, you know, is it the referees that are calling the calls? You know, is it the league that's mandating, you know, a certain type of play? You know, are the players really at, at the freedom to play the game um, the way they, they could or should anymore? Is it really taking away from the big man being able to play underneath the basket? Um, is it the reason why the league is, is sped up so much? So 
I just think there's a lot of questions to be asked on, on, you know, why it's happening. And, and you could say that the league is trying to speed up the game and it is for money and it is for, uh, you know, a certain thing. But again, this is why I feel like it's very problematic. And when you're trying to find players, you know, for flopping, when at the end of the day, you know, you created this issue, you know, with it, with everything being touch and go. So, uh, I think just uh, maybe revisiting those rules and uh, kind of redefining the way that, you know, those touch fouls are called nowadays. Yeah. I also have a rule for refereeing. Um, and this is for every sport. This is for mixed martial arts. This is for football. This is for basketball. Our wheelhouse of endurance beach volleyball. Um, if you don't see it, don't say it. You, you know, and, and I mean, volleyball, we have a huge problem. Well, we don't have a, uh, we have a huge problem with them being too, too um, strict on calls that, that go beyond the the actual rules, you know, like dub, double hit and carry or whatever. Like you never see someone in volleyball double hit and then the crowd scream, let them play. You got to let them play. That's not, they're like, no, that's, you broke the damn rule. No, you can't do that. So, and I wish, I would like to see a little bit more of that in football with pass interference. Oh, no, there's just two guys going after it. Let them play. No, if you see pass interference, call pass interference. Now, just like, um, you, um, the reason why I even brought up volleyball, just like volleyball, as a ref, if you see the net shake, but you didn't see who, who hit the net, don't guess. Don't, you're, you're the only guy there, and the net shook, so no. No, you didn't see it. You missed it. You screwed up. You swallow your whistle. And that's w- where I think the NBA can get a little bit better. You see someone fly to the floor. Uh, uh, you're like, oh, it's probably because this guy did it. Ah, boom, boom. You know? And now you're out there guessing. And when you're guessing, man, you're going you're gonna to make so many enemies, man. You're going to make enemies out of the players. You're going to make enemies out of the coach. Uh, you're going to make enemies out of the league that, that's actually assigning you to do those games and missing, and missing those calls. And now the, the, the trust or, or the, rely, the reliability of you game in and game out is, is compromised. Because you're guessing on someone's actions. So, I mean, there, th- that's why it's, a, it's such a unique question. It's, it's, it's a chicken of the egg question, Rob. So, I think, and, and that's why I, I, I side with the players on this. Just, just if you don't see it, don't say it. If you miss a call, then you miss a call. But you don't want to miss a call guessing. Uh, it's my least... I guess it's from a, a more personal thing as, as, a, as a longtime coach. I don't... I'm like, dude, you guessed. <laughs> and it wasn't even a good one <laughs> you know it hit the yeah. antenna no did you, uh, uh okay did it if did the ball hit the antenna no if sometimes if you screw up hey i missed it the players will have more respect for you the the the, the, the league will keep assigning you and the game flow there's not a mistrust for for people that that own up referees have are people too referees have egos too you know, some some you you've been in games where like you just told me last week there was a game where they they called you into the net and they're like, well, and then when they were wrong about the uh, uh, the the first of all they were wrong about the net, but even if they were wrong about the net, it was after the play, and then they were like, well, there's this continuation rule. So so they they, they instead of just admitting they're wrong and they missed it, they have to have these rationalizations to justify their call. And when they think the rationalizations keeps keeps the game the game going and and makes people respect them it's it has the opposite effect i don't trust you in fact right now i don't even like you <laughs> technical kiss my ass you're gone fine got my money's worth you know so um but that's why i i um 
I was slightly leaning, but I guess as I keep pontificating this, I'm heavily leaning <laughs> towards towards the league. You know? Anything yeah. else you want to add to that? No, you know, I just think, uh, yeah, uh, NBA has been uh, has has transitioned and ev- uh, evolved a lot since I've watched it. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I always love the, yeah. the back to the basket game and a little bit slower basketball game. But hey, you know, I yeah. guess everybody's loving the fast pace, so we'll see what changes. Yeah, man. I mean, doing the same thing with football. But I, but you're right about one thing, man. When the playoffs start, man, people just need to start playing good, good basketball and football. Right in the in the Super Bowl, how many pass interference calls? I mean, there were there was one that could have that was iffy, that was unfair. But there were there were four to or four or five total, and the other four were like. You can't yank. You can't yank the guy. You can't trip the guy. Oh, he was just falling forward, and the trip was act. No, he fell forward with a handout and yanked his foot. Stop it. You know you gotta let him play. No, shut, shut your mouth. So, all right. Well, I'm shutting my mouth in the NBA because we are approaching our next topic, ladies and gentlemen. I give you to shame or not to shame. 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 Okay, Bobby McGee. Let's go A. Let's go there. There you are. There I am. There you are. All right, so, Rob, to shame or not to shame? (laughs) I feel I'm embarrassed to even like have this on the show, but whatever, just for fun. All right. The daughter of the Lombardi Trophy designer, Lorraine Grow, wants an apology from Tom Brady for throwing the trophy from one boat to the next playing catch. She feels it was disrespectful and she wants an apology. So, Rob, we're not I doubt that either one of us are going no shame. So the question is, is it shame on Brady or is it shame on on Lorraine I mean shame on Lorraine uh <laughs> she hasn't done anything in her life to ever tell somebody who just won the Lombardi trophy to not do whatever they would like to do with the Lombardi trophy um and that goes to everybody on the team not just Tom Brady um and second off you know <laughs> yeah just uh I'm glad that they did whatever they wanted to do with it if anything she could just you know apologize back for trying to ask for an apology because mm-hmm. yeah she's just out of line um yeah uh, yeah she's just out of line dude i'm with you i gotta go shame i gotta go shame because if you see what they do to trophies there there are nobody no one wants an apology when you pour alcohol in a trophy and drink out of it no one wants an apology when everybody's kissing a trophy and there's more freaking lip marks on it than than i, I don't know than I don't know, a Friday night in an Oklahoma whorehouse. Who, who knows? So, and she didn't even design the dang thing. Okay, he was playing catch to win a trophy. Is to remind everybody that the game is still fun. Okay, the game is still whoops. The game is still fun, and you want to have fun with with what you won. It's a celebration when you when you win a trophy. It's a trophy is a culmination of a celebration, and all Tom Brady was doing was celebrating. Give me a break. And you're right. Shame. And Tom Brady shouldn't apologize. And she should. You know? When you're the artist, you paint the picture, you sell it. It's not yours anymore. As if it were hers to begin with. So, ah, okay. Sorry, I 
that was more of a humorous thing. It ended up making me angry. What's up with that? <laughs> angry. It's all mad all the time. It's COVID. You know, it's COVID, dude. I mean, lately, dude, lately, and I think for speak for, for both of us, I've been mad at more things than on a normal situation. I'm not. I'm like, you know, hey, Jason, what? You know, I'm like, this has made me angry, man. And now, I don't know. Hopefully, we get through this and we get to, we get, to get out there and play. All right. Um, so. Yo, hey, next question. It's quick question. Quick question. Quick question. Oh. <laughs> Rob, keep it. McLean. McLean. Quick question. Are the Jazz a threat to win the West with Anthony Davis out for a little bit? He's only going to be out for a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I say absolutely. I mean... At the end of the day, good teams are going to win. You know, you need stars, but stars without without the teamwork. Yeah, they're a threat. Um, quick question, Rob. With Anthony Davis hurt, will LeBron win MVP? Uh, I don't believe so. Um, yeah, I don't believe so. That's his number one assist guy. And if he's not throwing up triple doubles, he's not getting MVP. Right. Well, the good thing is Davis has uh, Achilles tendinosis and it's not a rupture. So he's only going to be out for a week and a half. But I think them as a precaution are probably going to have him out close to, closer to the month. Um, who should win? Damian Lillard. Who will win because Anthony Davis is out? It's probably going to be LeBron James. Um, quick question. Is it time for the Cowboys to give Dak Prescott his four-year contract? Yes or no? Uh, honestly, <laughs> no, uh, at this point, I don't think that their team is ready to, to, you know, get to the playoffs regardless of their quarterback. So I, think I they say need to build more. I, I, I'm torn. I, I have to say no, because you are what your record says you are, even though he's not the type of player that stops playing if he gets his contract. Prescott reminds me of the time as seems like the kind of guy that plays, that's going to play football as if he doesn't have his contract. So, but, but. Like to quote, the, to quote, like you said, to quote the great uh, Bill Parcells, "You are what your record says you are," and he's had all the tools and and very little excuses. Um, well, go ahead, please. Just on top of that, though, I mean, he has had great comebacks, and as a quarterback, mm -hmm. you're not really. Uh, I think the real problem is Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm not trying to say you know anything on him, but uh, I think he wants to play a certain type of, of of football, and he's smart enough to know what that football is. And Dak Prescott can't play with Ezekiel Elliott. They're both running style players uh, and they really don't have anybody as a threat with their arm, you know, so you get, you got to get somebody who, who, who can throw the ball down the field, you know? Very true, my man. Very true. Quick question. Who wins between Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis, the UFC this weekend, the wrestler and, and striker versus mm. the pure striker? Um, I'll go first. I'll go, um, I'll go Derek Lewis. Good one punch knockout. And if Angano caught caught Blades twice, I like Lewis's chances. Um I like Blades just because I, I think there's just too many glaring, you know, negatives in, in Derek Lewis's game. You know, like, yeah, you have to stand up every round, but you know, when I see him fight, even still, you know, he looks very shaky on his feet. Like his defense is not the greatest. Um, you know, you get him on the ground, he's not getting up very quickly, and that's what Curtis Blades does. So yeah, man. I think uh, I see Curtis Blades. I like how you said that. And also Blades, um, he has a Cormier-esque style of wrestling. And if Cormier, you know, who was 
undersized found a way to take Dirk Dirk Lewis down. I I do like, and he's and when he's on top, those elbows. Did you see what he did to Overeem? I mean, my girl was like, turn the TV off. It was crazy. Um, (laughs) quick question, Rob. Can is anyone more clutch at the end of the game than Damian Lillard right now? Right now, no. But uh, yeah, there's a couple guys out there that are fun to watch. That's for sure. You know, um, but I, I love that. You know, the Trailblazers are giving him full, uh, full green light, and he's taking advantage. I'm with you. There's no one out there better than him as far as being clutch at the end. And and another, thank the Lord. I love seeing these players that get their money and they still play. They're still playing as if they don't have a contract. God bless that guy. And wants to retire a Blazer. I'm I'm a fan now. I'm a fan, dude, and I should have been a fan. Um, quick question: Will Cam be back uh, with the Patriots next season? Uh, yes, but but should he, or should he be able to find maybe some other place to, you know, cozy up in? I think so because, uh, you know, this. Uh, yeah, I just he just is not the same player he was. So yeah. he's got to figure out his game again. I say yes. I say yes. And it's, I mean, yeah, and that's all I got to say. I mean, that could go on, but it's supposed to be a quick question. My bad. Uh, quick question. Um, should the Niners stay with Jimmy G as their starter? Yeah. What else they got? Nick Mullins? Yep. Yeah. Hey, 24 and 8 when he's healthy. So, <laughs> yep, I go, yeah. Um, quick question. Will Alex start? Alex Smith start game one for the Washington football team? Uh, he should. Um, he definitely should. Yeah. Everybody likes Heineke, but I like the. Everyone likes the hot shot captain. I like the Colonel, the sure shot, the yeah. guy, the guy who you know. Um, quick question: Will Serena win the U.S. Open? Uh, it's going to be the winner or loser of her and Osaka. So, um, Stylis- know, stylistically, that. wow, right? An int- uh, a good match. Osaka has beaten her in a, in a Grand Slam before. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I honestly, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't think so because I think Osaka will be here. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, whoever wins that match was going to win that tournament. After watching what Serena did to Halep, I got to say yes. I think she I think she beats Osaka 2-0. Um, quick question. Will uh, Djokovic, the number one seed, win the men's Australian Open? I think no. I think uh, Nadal. But we'll see. I think Nadal too. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our section of quick question. And Rob and I did our very best. <laughs> you know, I'd like Rob to elaborate more than me because I think my, my, my runoffs are a little longer than his. So so for you, of, of course, if you got something you want to say, you say it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we go, no specific shout outs, but in light of the fact that it's Black History Month, I want to mention one name that I mentioned in a previous podcast but can't be mentioned enough. He passed J- uh, Coach John Thompson of uh, Georgetown University, longtime coach, NCAA champ, um, uh, multiple Final Four appearances. Um, the the plethora of players, Allen Iverson's is the, the most highlighted, but Allen Iverson was one of the handful of players that were kind of one and done. So big up to this man that was not only a good coach, but was a father figure and that shaped uh, young black uh, men, uh, boys, two men, two grown men. To human, to good human beings, to because the old saying is, white people have a career, um, black people have a responsibility. And is there's anyone that taught you how to be a good basketball player as well as a responsible, an adult, and something that you that he can be proud of. That if they have kids, they can be proud of, and the kids after that, John Thompson. By the way. N- 
for basketball, men's basketball, 97% graduation rate. The graduation rate for the rest of the school, the people who are not athletes, is 94%. He's three percentage points higher. So this whole thing about dumb athletes and dumb jocks, the man defies it, redefines it, and tells everybody this, this is the way. And he is, as far as raising good human beings and basketball players, he is the measuring stick, which I think all of these coaches should be compared. Black History Month, John Thompson. Absolutely. Yep. So, Rob, <laughs> is there anything you want to say <laughs> before we wrap up today? No, man. All good. Just be happy. Be healthy. Be hungry, too, right? Yo, we're gonna, you got to eat. We got to eat after this. Dude, we got to we gotta get our lunch on. Where you going? Let me be nosy. Tell to my to my kitchen. Oh, to your kitchen. Cool. Yeah. You ever have burritos for lunch from brothers? Do you have? Do you ever? Yeah. Is that just like a breakfast? And you ever get your lunch on? Yeah, sometimes. I've, I've I think probably on one hand I could tell you how many times I've eaten lunch yeah. at brothers, but you know Dude, it's I'm, good. I I'm, eat that pot roast from there. It's good. I'm feeling like a fat butt right now. I mean. And since we're adults, so you know, adults get to eat breakfast and whenever they want. So sometimes I have good stuff at night, you know, um, it's pretty good you. stuff. Pan, you know, pancakes, a freaking French toasted night. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> but listen, if I learned, if I knew how to cook like you, I, I'd make stuff at home more too. You know, what I mean. Look, for, for everyone listening at home, Rob could throw down, man. Came to my house for a barbecue, man. The way we did that steak, the way we did that steak up. Right. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. All right, well, that's all I got. Rob loves you guys and this week because it's Valentine's Day weekend. So do I. I love you guys very much. All right, for all of you at home, on your iPads, iPhones, Droid, desktop. For Rob, keep it McLean, McLean. I'm Jason DeBiss. This is episode 55, Sports Debate Tuesday, and we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.